Thank you for choosing to listen to today's message by Reverend Dr. David Entry. We know you will be blessed as you seek and serve God. We believe that this message will stir up a desire for more of God, even as you listen. Be blessed. Father, thank you for the privilege to hear your word. It's our prayer that you reveal yourself to us. Daddy, talk to us. We want to get closer to you. We want to know you better. Nothing good can be made outside of your word. Just speak a word to us and we know our world will change. We pray for the sick, that as your word comes, heal the sick. As your word comes, give direction to the confused. As your word comes, Lord, convict the sinning. As your word comes, save the lost and glorify your name. Thank you for what you're about to do in our midst. What you've already started doing and what you are yet to do. We give you all glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Today is Resurrection Sunday. What is the big deal about the resurrection? Everything. Everything about the resurrection is big. Because it's the resurrection that validates the crucifixion. Without the resurrection, crucifixion would have been without any effect. (laughs) That would have been a murder. It's only Christians who follow a crucified conqueror. It's only Christians who follow a murdered Messiah. And the world says foolishness. It's only Christians who are connected to a blood-stained cross. And the world says, look at that, this is foolishness. That's fine. Bible said, to those who are perishing, it is foolishness. But to those of us who are saved, it is the power of God. Shout yes. yes! The amazing cross. Everything is amazing about the cross. Without the cross, God can't look at you. It took the cross for God to wave, to empty his judgment because he's a righteous God. He's a holy God. In Isaiah, he says that it's not that my hands are short that I can't save you. It's not that my ears are dull that I can't hear you. Isaiah chapter 59 verse 1 and 2. But he said your sins, your iniquities have blocked me. Sin is a big problem. Yes. When someone tells you I don't believe in the existence of God, ask them, what are you going to do about your guilt? Yeah. Anthropologists tell us, and sensible sociologists tell us, that ethics will mean nothing if there's no one who ultimately, a perfect judge, who is all-knowing. Yeah. Because if the judge is perfect and righteous, and doesn't know everything, he may make judgments based on his limited knowledge. That's right. That's right. So his judgments may not be, will, will, not, not may, will not be flawless. So ethics even tell us there must be a judge who oversees everything, who is all-knowing, who is righteous and pure and straight to, to, to make sure that he recompenses according to righteousness. Yeah. So this whole issue about I don't believe there is God, I don't believe it where is God. You don't believe, but you know there is. Two things. You may not believe, but you know. As long as your mind works, you know. As long as you have two brain cells between your ears that touch each other, you will know that there is God. 
It doesn't take intelligence. It just takes basic sense. That's why even the unlearned can know that there is God. And most erudites of scholars can also know there is God. The Bible says that it pleased God. Mm. That he called us not many wise, mm. not, not many, many noble, noble, not many influential. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 26. Not many, only a few who are noble. But many of us are not that noble. Many of us in the world system may not be classified as anybody. If Lady Gaga stands here and he says, that, Oh, Jesus is Lord, people will believe because it's Lady Gaga. God says, I don't need her. I don't need any help. The cross is enough. It, it, sh- it does not take celebrities to preach the gospel. Read your Bible. He said, God has not chosen wise one. Many no, he doesn't need Prince Charles to talk for him. He doesn't need any of us to fight for him. He's God all by himself. He can defend himself. He, he can defend himself. He has reserved a day where you show who is in charge. He fights for himself. In fact, he said, Your battles are your own, are not even yours, it's mine. Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15. He said, Your the battle is not yours, it's the Lord. Exodus chapter 14, verse 14. He says, Stand still and see the salvation which the verse 13, which the, the Lord will show you today. For these Egyptians you see, you shall see them again no more. Verse 14 said, The Lord shall fight for you and you shall hold your peace. Amen. God, God is a fighter. His name is the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Sabaoth. That's my God. When Saul was breathing out murderous threats against the church in Acts chapter 9, Bible says from verse 1, he went and got permission from the authorities then, the, uh, uh, the authorities then from the synagogue to travel into other places to go and hunt down anyone who is following the way. Hunt them down, either men or other, other men or women. Go and, and bring them bound to Jerusalem. He had the authority to go. And on his way, when he was going, Bible says that at midday, midday, midday. Listen to what he said. Listen to what Paul said in Acts chapter 26 when he was giving an account of his encounter. As I said, you, for, you, for you to be a, a valid man of God, you need an encounter with God. Because you must speak for God. That's why the term man of God, it means someone who is speaking on the behalf of God. Because God is a speaking God. He doesn't do anything without first announcing it. He's a prophetic God. And so, Paul had an encounter. When he was giving the narration of, he said that, oh kid, say at midday. What time? What's the meaning of midday? When is the sun brightest? Midday. Say at midday. Oh king, along the road I saw a light from heaven, brighter than the sun. That means the sun was shining anyway. So the sun is not the brightest. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The life was the light of men. John chapter 1. The life was the light of men. Verse 5 says that, and the light shines in darkness, and darkness cannot comprehend it. 
So he said, at midday, I saw a light which is brighter than the sun. And he fell from verse 7 of Acts chapter 9. He fell. And then he heard a voice. He said, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you? He said, I am the one. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? He said, who are you? Who are you? He said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. That was the heard of King James. I like it. Whom thou persecutest. And then he went on to say, he didn't leave. He said, it is hard to kick against the goats or the pricks. Acts 26 says the goats. I think Acts chapter 9 says the pricks. It's hard. You can't kick against it. You know pricks. It's like spikes to, to help the horse or the animal not to veer. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said, I will build my church and the gate of hell cannot prevail against it. He said, oh, Matthew chapter 16, I will build my church. I. There is a way to connect with God. God has never forced himself and will never force himself on anybody. You have to be hungry. Says, since the time of John the Baptist, the kingdom of God has suffered violence and a violent man taken by force. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this morning I read it. Let's read from verse 1. I think it will make some sense for us. It says, this is NIV, okay. I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, say gospel. By this gospel you are saved. If you hold firm to the word I preach to you, otherwise you have believed in vain. Now, now he began to define the gospel. For what I received, I pass on to you as of first importance. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. And that he, he appeared to Peter. Say Peter. Peter. Watch this very carefully. I'm going to show you something. That, that he appeared to Peter. Then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers at the same time. So it's not that they are all gone. No, he said most of them, a greater percentage are still alive. So you can go and check the things I'm saying. That's what he's saying. He appeared to them. 500 of the brothers, they saw him at the same time. 500 witnesses. That's strong witness. 500 of them, they saw him at the same time. And then uh, uh, those, some have fallen asleep. None of them, someone... I've gone to be the Lord. Watch this. And then, then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. And last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So he appeared to many people. Now watch this. The reason why they say Jesus resurrected, they were willing to die for it, wasn't because they saw the tomb empty. The empty tomb was not strong enough for them to say he was resurrected. Because actually when they got there, they thought he has been stolen. In John chapter 20. And so Mary told the gardener, say, if you have taken him, show me where you have put him so I can go and pick him. And then she told the two angels in the tomb that they have taken my savior away from here. They have taken my Lord. Someone have taken John chapter 20. So they thought the body had been stolen. So the empty tomb is not the strongest argument for the resurrection. What's the strongest argument? The eyewitnesses, they saw him alive. 
Yeah. They saw him. They saw him. So he says that they saw him. He said, these people saw 500 of them at a time. And he said, most of whom are still alive. You can go check with them. Then he said that, then he, saw, he was seen by James. Then Peter. And then the 12. And last of all, he was seen by me also. So the one who is writing to you, I have seen the risen Jesus. I cannot deny it. The evidence is too strong for me to deny. I can't. I can't. That's why they were willing to die for it. Not because the tomb was empty, but because they saw the living Jesus. They saw the living Jesus. They saw him. So in 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, 2, 3, I like that. It said that things, see, these things we are telling you, they are not fables. 1 John chapter 1, verse 1, 2, 3. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Talking about Jesus, right? This life was manifested, and we have seen, and bear witness, and declare to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested to us. So we have seen, we have handled. This is we, it's an eyewitness. Yeah. We are eyewitnesses of the things we are telling you. Say so it's alive. The implication of Jesus being alive, I wrote down about six things. The implication of the resurrection of Jesus to the believer. Number one. Number one. The benefits of the resurrection. In Romans chapter 1 verse 4, I like it so much. Romans chapter 1 verse 4, talking about Jesus Christ, all right? It's talking about, it says that, um, all right, let's go to verse 3 so it makes a bit more sense. It said, concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to, according to, you know what that means? Because you can't, God cannot be born, but the flesh must be born. So if God was going to take on flesh, then, God, then that means that God must be born in that sense and live in the flesh. And there's no one who is born who doesn't have a genealogy. Because you must have a mother somewhere. Even if you don't know her. If they stole you from the hospital, you still have a mother. You must have a father somewhere. You must have a mother. Am I speaking the truth? And so, if you have a mother, your mother must have a mother. Your mother, your grandmother must have a mother. Who must have a mother? So, in Matthew, Bible talks about how the genealogy of Jesus Christ starts telling us where he came from physically. The son of David. That's why when blind Matthias saw him, he said, "Jesus Christ of Nazareth, son of David." It was known that Jesus descended from the root of David. The lineage of David. Are you getting what I'm saying? Yeah. So in, in Romans chapter 1 verse 3, he's talking about the son of God, God's son. He said, who was born concerning God? You see, the his is God, the his, God. So you can put it, concerning God's son, all right? Okay. Concerning God's son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Right. Listen to this very carefully. So now he's speaking in terms of the flesh. He's speaking in terms of humanity. He's speaking in terms of anthropology. Man, not deity. You call deity cannot be born. But humanity must be born. He had the uncreated life. But to live here in amongst creation, you need a created life. So he wrapped himself, the Christmas story. He wrapped himself into the womb of a, a virgin. So that no one can make a mistake and say that that's the father. 
So it must be a virgin. Hallelujah. Amen. Jesus Christ, the son of David. So talking about Jesus Christ says that who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh. Now go to the next verse. Watch this. And declare what? To be the son of God. He was already the son of God. Verse 3. Concerning his son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Born, he became flesh and was declared to be son. So you're talking about two types of sons there. If you were son already, you shouldn't have been declared to be son. It's like, we can't instill the queen. Because she's already the queen. He was declared to be the son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness. How? How? Not of the dead, from the, talking about him. So, watch this. His coming out from the dead was, it was a birthing process. It was a birthing process. Humanity was birthed into divinity. Alright, so he took the human flesh. That's why he went to heaven with his body. So that we can join him with our bodies. Hallelujah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, he resurrected and took the physical body. And went to heaven. So Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. It says there is one God and one mediator between God and man. Even who? The man, Jesus. There is a man seated in heaven. That's it. Seated in heaven speaking interceding on the behalf of men. God didn't need angels to beg for us. He needed man to be there. We have a bona fide representative. According to Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, verse 17, it talks about how, therefore, in all things, he had to be made like his brethren. Why? That he might be a merciful and a faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. He had to be like us so that he would be qualified to speak for us. So, let me finish this. When he was Resurrecting from the dead, all right. When he was rising from the dead, Bible describes that he was born. Romans chapter one verse four declared to be the son of God according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection. So does that make sense? When Colossians chapter one, all right. Before then, let's go to rather Romans chapter eight, sonship. Romans, I'm talking about sonship. The the significance of the resurrection is that. He resurrected so that we can become sons. So Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those he he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed into what? The image of his son. Why? So that Jesus, the he, see the he, capital. So that Jesus might be the firstborn amongst many brothers and sisters. Brethren means brothers and sisters. So that Jesus might be the firstborn, say firstborn. firstborn. Say it like a minute. Now, before Jesus resurrected from the dead, God had, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, his only begotten son, the monogenes. He gave his only begotten son. God had only one son. But this, because of the resurrection, Bible says that he, God has already pre-planned and predestined us to be conformed. Our destination is not just forgiveness of sin, as I said the other time. It's not just forgiveness of sin. Our destination is to be like his son. So he became the firstborn. Firstborn connects other brothers. So before the resurrection, Jesus Christ didn't have any brother. 
John chapter 20, verse 17, when he resurrected, he told Mary that go and tell. So, so Mary said, Rabbi, she was happy when she was worried about whether they've taken verse 16. Let me show you some verse 16. So Jesus, when Mary was confused, where is my Lord? Then Jesus called her Mary. She turned and said to him, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my, the first time he described them as brothers. Before then, in John chapter 15, verse 14, he said, I call you friends. The highest status says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Verse 15, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. At best, they were friends. But when he resurrected from the dead, verse 20, he said, go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father. The first time he said, now God is your father. Someone say hallelujah. So that makes sense when he was declared to be the son of God from, by the resurrection. All right. And he was, then he became the firstborn amongst many brethren. In Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Someone learning something? Yeah. Yes. Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead. The what? Firstborn from the dead. It's the firstborn. Firstborn. He was the first to make the way. In Colossians chapter 1 verse 18. Colossians 1, 1 verse 18. It says that, and he's the head of the body. That's the church. Who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. He's a, so it's a resurrection. He came from the dead. Because in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1, it said, And you, you have seen made alive, who were dead in your trespasses and sin. Sin kills. Trespasses will kill you. Sin is a killer. When you walk in sin, you are dying. As Christians, the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, 17, and 18, it said, This sign shall follow those who believe in me. In my name, they shall cast out devils. They, they, they shall drink their anything to no harm. They shall pick up serpents. He said, And when they lay their hands on the sick, they will recover. Amen. A believer is someone who can pray for the sick to be healed. Spirituality is not a permanent possession. So that's why you have to keep servicing your spirit. One of the ways to build your, your life and secure your life is to build your inner man. He said, beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in good health even as your soul prospers. But if your soul is famished, Paul, in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16, he said, I pray to the Father of all, the, the Father, that he will strengthen you by his spirit in your inner man. It takes your inner man strengthening and then you have to follow. Yeah. But if your inner man is emaciated, if your inner man is weak, bro, the devil will be, even though you are born again, the devil will be playing around your field. Yeah. Yeah. He will play right in your garden, in your backyard, coming towards your kitchen. Yeah. Are you getting what I'm saying? Jesus said, man must not live by bread alone. Matthew 4, 4, Luke 4, 4. Man must not live by bread alone, but by every word. So if you are not taking God's word, something is dying. Something is getting wicked in your system. Read your Bible. In, the, in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, he says that, for you are no longer under the law, but under grace. So sin can not have dominion over you. 
But there's a scripture I saw, you know what? There's a scripture I saw which was quite interesting and disturbing. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, he said, anyone who sins is of the devil. Did I say it? What does he say? He who sins is of the devil. So as soon as you begin to sin, as soon as you walk in sin, you are, you are inviting the devil because that's the devil's territory. I'm going to say something very strong. Listen to this. Don't miss this. You are able not to sin not because of your willpower. You are able not to sin because of your spiritual strength. That's why you have to feed your spirit. Read your Bible. Pray. Come to fellowship. Come to church. It strengthens your spirit, man, to be able to take a stand. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be strong in the Lord and in the power. Ephesians 6, 10. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says that for the, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God. They are mighty through God. They are mighty in God. King James said through God. Uh, New King James said in God. So everything happens in God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 19, particularly verse 20, he said, all the promises of God the in him are yes. So if you are not in him, you can't benefit. Your entitlement has everything to do with your in-himness. <laughs> Deal with the sin, brother. You can. Yes, you can. By your spirit, through your spirit. Build your spirit, man. You can deal with it. You can deal with it because it will stop you. If you don't stop sin, sin will stop you. Sin will humiliate you. Sin will take away your joy. But you need spiritual strength to be able to take a stand and say, no, you can. I'm telling you, you can. You can. When you are in Christ, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can. You can. You can. You can, but build your inner man. Say no to lying. Say no to changing figures. Say no to gossip. The devil is a liar. God, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So hallelujah. I can't condemn you. I cannot, and I will never, because God doesn't condemn. We thank God for using his servant, Reverend Dr. David Entry, to share this awesome word. If this message has blessed you in any way, please spread the word by sharing it and send us an email to amen at caris.org. Remember to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube and Twitter for regular updates on what God is doing here at Caris Ministries. Stay blessed.